turn. The early church, the way that they grew, and they grew fast, was not because they had great tent revivals. It was not because they had uh, preachers that were great and awesome speakers. I'm sure that they had some good speakers. You know, we can read about Peter preaching a message and 3,000 people coming to know the Lord. But the reason that the church grew so fast is because there was life change and people had issues. People were living in tough times and all of a sudden their neighbors, even though they were still living in some tough times, had hopefulness that wasn't there before. And so they wanted to know, hey, what is up with that? Wouldn't that be strange if your neighbor came over to your house and knocked on your door and you answered and you're like, can I help you? They're like, hey, why are you so hopeful? You'd be like, I'm calling the police. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my neighbor, when we first moved in, he came to our house and he said, you got a hound dog? And I said, yeah, yes, sir. He's like, I like hound dogs. And he left. And I think that was him telling me, your dog's too loud. And uh, anyway, yeah, he's free. Um, anyway, so we're, so we're talking about mercy. We're talking about hope when you're hurting. And uh, you face things, pain, disappointments, hurt. And, and all of these things, when they happen, we can end up with a messed up understanding of the nature and character of God. This morning, I spoke really briefly about someone whose mother shared with, with Brittany, and Brittany shared with me something that was on her heart, that this person was very angry at God right now. And I think we've all heard someone say that. For me personally, listen, I feel for you if you felt that way, and I love you, but I think that's a really lame excuse. I'm sorry, maybe that's a little harsh. But I, I think that's a really lame excuse. When, when things are going wrong, people say, well, God just must be mad at me. Well, it just, well if, why would God let this happen? Y'all, I'm sorry, but it's just a lame excuse to me. So uh, people get, they, they get it messed up and they say, well, God is good and, and holy and loving and, and compassionate and, and all this stuff. How does he let this stuff happen to me? And so one goal I have with this little series here is we want to kind of have that discussion. How, is, how do we talk to someone that's going through something and they're really frustrated with? And uh, they just say, hey, I just kind of, I don't want to do this, this Christian thing anymore because I just keep taking hits, man. And a lot of us know people that are good, God-fearing people that don't just go to church but serve, and they just take hit after hit after hit. And you think, man, God, where is, where is the break? When do they get a break from taking these hits? Listen, Jesus didn't say, hey, it's going to be super easy. You're never going to get upset. You're never going to trip and fall down. But he did say, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Amen? So um, there's a, a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Jeremiah. They wrote a song about him being an amphibian, okay? And so, listen, uh, that's, just forget I said that. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah is an interesting prophet. You, you read about this guy, he does some really wacky stuff that probably would not be, um, uh, that probably would not be pushed like by the Assemblies of God today. Like we're talking about like walking around butt naked, okay, and doing prophecy. Listen, I don't care what you're preaching. If you preach it butt naked, the people are going to remember, okay? So now don't do that. Your pastor's not telling you to go to Main Street and preach 
butt naked, okay? And I'm not going to say that anymore. All right, so, but, but Jeremiah did some, did some stuff, man. And so he wrote this, he's got this book called Lamentations. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this book, a lot of hard things. And some of these things kind of resonate with some things that we face in our lives. Come on, let me just read a couple of things. People that just stink. And I don't mean like stink like bro. Bro. I asked uh, uh, brother, brother Keith if he said, if, uh, you know, he does honey. If you don't have some honey from Brother Keith, you need to go get some. That stuff is really good. Let me just say, I didn't like honey, and I asked him, hey, can I get some honey from you? He brought me some, and I started, I started taking a little honey every day, and all of a sudden, I'm like, honey, and my allergies aren't as bad. So there you go. Go get, get some honey from me. But I asked him, I said, hey, man, do you have soap? And I like, kept, kept asking him, you got some soap? And he's probably thinking, man, what's this guy's problem? <laughs> like, his wife been getting on to him or something? Like, what's the deal? Listen, I was in youth ministry for eight years, okay? And so when I say people stink, it gives me flashbacks, all right? But that's not what I mean. I mean people stink. Like, people do stuff that just, just is not good, y'all. People do things. You ever watch court TV, like court shows? Y'all, sometimes I watch court shows, but then I have to repent because I just be gossiping in my heart about these people. And it's like, you know, they, they go to walk in, and it's like, dun, 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 and it's like, today on court. And they're walking in like, the defendant ate their neighbor's dog. You know, it's something crazy. If you want to see the worst of people, watch like Judge Joe Brown or something, all right? Don't, no, don't do that. Watch something good. We'll go watch some 700 Club or something. Listen, uh, but people do things that just, ah, it's terrible, man. People just, uh, another thing, life doesn't seem fair. Um, You've heard people say that, man, life's not fair. Life's not treating me good. Uh, people's bodies get wrecked. People are sick. They face different things. Uh, can't sleep, broke, overwhelmed with anxiety. And, and God doesn't seem to care. And so, uh, listen, so Jeremiah, the prophet, he goes through some of these stuff. People call him the weeping prophet. He goes through some of this stuff, and he writes some of this stuff down. And we can read this book of Lamentations and see, hey, man, somebody else dealt with some of the same stuff that I'm dealing with and just felt bad. Oh, it says in chapter three, uh, verse 19 says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. You ever felt bad? Just absolutely bad. Just like dread. Come on. You dread going to work the next day. You dread going to school. You dread having that conversation with somebody. Your soul is just downcast and just not good. That's what he's talking about. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Come on, somebody. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Y'all. We know that song. We know that song. And I love to hear it. Come on. You know, we sing a lot of new songs up here. And I, sometimes I worry that, you know, people think, oh, Pastor, he doesn't like the older songs. Listen, I, I love that old stuff. I love that old stuff. I'm just saying I'm not good at it, okay? I'm not good at leading it, all right? And, um, but we sing songs like, great is thy faithfulness. And that's a reminder that even though you're facing bad situations, that God is still faithful. We had a great conversation in Grow You this morning about uh, teenagers that are faced with, with things. 
and faced with all kinds of crazy like identity crisis, stuff like that. And that if we can teach our young people to lean on the, on God and lean on that, that knowledge that he is faithful, that his faithfulness is great. Come on. That things begin to get easier. So, so let me remind you one more time what, what Jeremiah says here. The faithful love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. This is what he calls to mind. He says, I call this to mind. I remember I, riding in the, in the vehicle with my grandpa. And listen, if you ever rode in the vehicle with my grandfather, then you remember it, okay? That's not something you forget. And every time, there used to, there, we used to drive this little red truck around. And every time I see that truck, I just get flashbacks. And it's like, because <gasps> it was rough, y'all. One time he said, hey, man, I'll pay you $5 an hour to go to Dallas, Texas with me. That was the worst. It was not worth it, okay? Dallas is big, all right? And that, he, listen, I, with all due respect to my grandpa, his driving was not, uh, it was not great. And uh, listen, but... I remember riding down the road with him and, and talking to him about things that were bothering me. And he would say things to me like, well, I just remember, or I know, or God. You know, he would call to mind the faithfulness of God. And so I want you, young people, hear me on this. You need to listen when your elders start telling you, I talked about this morning, talked about war stories. When your elders begin to tell you the things that God has done in their life, you guys need to listen. You need to listen because those memories, those experiences are treasures, okay? Maybe you didn't go through that thing, but they did. And you can use that knowledge. You can use that wisdom. Come on. That's one of the, I'm so thankful that my mentor taught me that, that when someone that has fought the fight of faith for years and years begins to speak, about what God has done in their life, you be quiet and listen because those things are valuable. Let me get back on track. So we're talking about mercy, the mercy of God, hope when you're hurting. Um, justice is when you get what you deserve, okay? My brother's name is Justice, and I used to like to jump out and scare him and now it's so awesome. Genetically, my daughter picked that up, and she likes to jump out and scare. It's so fun. We like to do that to mom. And uh, anyway, she thinks it's hilarious. Brittany does. Don't ask her opinion, though, because she, she just, she'll, you know. And so I remember one time I jumped out to scare my brother. And, y'all, he had been watching Mike Tyson or something. Because I'm talking about dude busted me right in my nose. First bloody nose I ever had in my life. That was justice, okay? Justice lay down justice, all right? I got what I deserve. That's justice. Grace is when you don't get what you deserve. Um, I don't know where you're at, uh, parents, grandparents. I don't know what you think about um, spanking, but in our house, if, if the rules keep getting broken for a long, like, and, and, and we're long-suffering, but eventually a spanking is going to happen. And I remember one time my daughter had, had just kind of gone crazy. And so I came in and we got this paddle. It's got Bambi on it. I don't know why. Lure, it just freak you out, I guess. And I laid that down and she was like, I don't want to get a spanking. I don't want to get a spanking. And so I, I used that to teach her something about grace. And I said, 
it would be fair for you to get a spanking because you really broke the rules, but I'm not going to do that. This is called grace. And I taught her something that Jesus taught me. And the third thing is, and this is what we're talking about tonight, mercy. Or, I'm sorry, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. So I taught her about mercy. So I want to tell you something. Uh, there was a police officer, super nice guy, and uh, he, he was the chief of police in Cotton Valley for a little while. And uh, he was also a um, deputy. And one thing that I really enjoy about my job is that I get a lot of interface with law enforcement. And I figure if there's anybody that I really should, you know, be acquainted with, it's, it's police officers, right? And so uh, I was driving to, Brittany and I were driving down 371 the other day, and, and uh, I didn't think I was going as fast as he thought I was going. But let me tell you something, family. If you pass a police car and he pulls a U-turn, just pull over, all right? <laughs> and so I pulled, the dude didn't even have his lights on, man. I started pulling over. I'm like, he's coming after me, and I didn't have my wallet. And uh, <laughs> Brittany's like, I told you you were going too fast. And so he pulls up, and I'm like, ah, I was going like six over, man. And, and you know, there's a little rhyme, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. And I thought, you know, I thought that was something good, right? And so, anyway. And so he pulls up and he says, y'all, it was so funny. Because I was embarrassed, man. And because we'd like been inviting this guy to church. And um, so he walks up and he, he comes and he looks in the mirror. And he goes, or he looks in the window and he goes, oh, man. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? And he goes, ah. And I was like, oh, he's going to write me a ticket. And so... He's like, let me see your insurance. And I couldn't, I had my insurance on an app on my phone. It would not load. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. And so he comes back. He's like, please slow down. And I was like, I don't think I was going. He was like, just slow down. I was like, okay, thanks. Can I go now? And he lets me go. That's mercy, okay? When you get pulled over and the police officer says, I'm not going to give you a ticket, even though you were going too fast, you got a bad attitude. You never pulled anybody over with a bad attitude, did you? you. Oh, all the time? I'm sorry. <laughs> but you gave people mercy. So sometimes, sometimes, 50% of the time, 12% of the time. Listen, so you get pulled over, you don't get the ticket. That's mercy. Look, so Paul talks about in Ephesians, he talks about where we were in our sin and what the mercy of God can do. So let's read this. Ephesians 2 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. That is harsh. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Spiritually dead because of our sin, because of the nasty places we were. And, you know, church family, we talked about when Teen Challenge was here, and, and y'all, it was so powerful. But I just, I, all I could think about was the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy 
of God and the things that I had done in my life. And as I, and as I listen to these guys up here singing and as I listen to the, the various testimonies, I just sat on that very first row and my eyes just were leaking the whole time. And I'm looking around at, 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 our, at the people sitting around in the church and I'm just like, man, everybody up in here crying. What's going on? Because you think about the goodness of God and it's almost too much. It's almost too much to wrap your head around that God can be so good to people who are so bad. And I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of preacher that likes to get up here and throw sin in your face and say all these things that sound mean and, and scare you into the gates of heaven. No, what I want to do as a preacher and as a pastor is to show you that God is so merciful and so good and so loving that it doesn't make any sense to go anywhere else but right into his arms. So Paul shows where we are, where we were. Deserving of the wrath, the anger of God. But what happens, guys? Can you be angry at someone you love? Let's do this so we can, so we can help answer a question. Somebody says, well, God was so angry. Somebody reads the Old Testament. God was so angry. Oh, my goodness. Somebody says, God must be mad at me. Can you, be, can you be angry at someone you love? What if, what if your child tells you a lie? Are you so mad at them that you're like, you know what? You're not my kid anymore. You ever, when you're a kid, you're not my brother anymore. Bet. Bet. You got to go to the courthouse to change that. <laughs> your kid does something like that. You don't get you you're, You love that person. You, you, yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. Parents get mad at their kids. I'm sorry to tell y'all something. If you didn't already know that, but sometimes parents get frustrated with their kids. But they still love them. Okay? I can remember my grandmother had to, at times, raise four stinking boys at the same time. Okay? I remember, and, and maybe it was summertime. I don't know what the, but somehow my brother and I and my two cousins would all end up at her house. My grandpa's working, so she's got four boys to take care of. Do you not think that there were times that she had to get frustrated? I know there were some times that she had to get frustrated, but back in those days, you just lock your kids out the house. <laughs> now, now if you lock, I don't know, man, I hope, I think my kids are pretty wild, but some kids, if you lock them out the house, they would probably die in the front yard. But uh, back then, you just lock them out, man. And uh, that was time out. Time out is your banned from the household for an hour. Uh, but anyway, there was love there. And I love watching parents get frustrated. And what? What are you, what are you talking about? You love parents, seeing parents getting frustrated? I love to see parents get frustrated and restore their kids. Because that's a God thing, family. Come on. To watch a parent say, hey, I, you know, you did something against the rules, but I love you, and I'm going to restore you. Come on, that's, to me, that's a powerful thing, and we try to make sure we teach that to our kids. Hey, what you did was not okay, and yes, I was very frustrated. Dad was, you know, dad was frustrated with what happened, but I love you, and we're going to move on, and we're gonna, you're going to do better. 
or else. No. So, So Paul says, we're dead in sin, deserving of God's anger. That's not a place we want to be, family. But then Paul says this. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Come on, can I read that one more time? Because it's so good. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved, loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. I love the verse that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were messing up, even when we were rolling around in that filth and that nasty stuff. So, mercy matters to God. Whenever God gave instructions on how to build the temple, you know, we talk about the tabernacle that was a place that could move. But when, when David was king, God gave instructions on how to build a permanent temple. A dwelling place. He listed all the things. An entry, storeroom, upper part, the dimensions of everything, the materials, everything. And then there was one place called the mercy seat. He said, when you build up my house, David, make room for mercy. James 2.13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Christian, I want to challenge you this evening. Some of the most judgmental people are people that say that they carry the love of Christ in their heart. And it's so upsetting to me. I can't stand it. And I get so frustrated. And, and, and church family, I just want to be open and, and honest with you. Sometimes I get so frustrated that I begin to judge them. And then I have to repent and say, God, help me because I'm struggling with this. But there are so many people that cannot get past what someone has done. And I had an amazing conversation with a church member this morning. He said, he said you know, Pastor, I, I really struggle with judgment. I really struggle with judging people. And he said, when I watch those men stand on that platform and talk about the things that they had done, the sins that they had committed, the death that they dwelt in, but that how God had restored them, how God had picked them up and created a new thing. He said, Pastor, it wrecked my heart. He said, I was under such heavy conviction. He said, all I could do is sit back here and weep because I had been judging people and blaming them for where they were and thinking, well, it's their fault. And church family, I've been guilty of that. Well, it's their fault. It's their fault. 
But he shouldn't have made that decision. Somebody's broken down on the side of the road. Well, they shouldn't have drove that Ford. It's their fault. We drive a Ford. Y'all pray for us. Listen. Somebody does something dumb. And I'm so bad about doing this. When I see, uh, when I see somebody doing something, I say, hey, man, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know, that's what uh, uh, somebody I'm friends with says that to me all the time. So listen, we can't do that, church family. We can't do that. We can't be stuck in judgment. When we're judging people, we have to make room for mercy. And that's one of the most powerful ways that you can live the gospel. Listen, I think that it's important to preach the gospel. I think it's important to teach the gospel. But one of the best and most effective ways is showing the gospel. That is with your life, family. And mercy is one of the best ways to do that. So what does that mean? Leave room for mercy in your thoughts, in your heart. Leave room for mercy. Let me just say something else real quick. I feel like the Holy Spirit just gave me this. Leave mercy for yourself. I feel like there's some of us in this room right now, you are way too hard on yourself. You are so stinking hard on yourself. And God is watching you and saying, what are you doing? Why are you so hard on yourself? Is my mercy not good enough? Leave room for mercy for others, for yourself. And I want to close with this verse from back from Lamentations. Talking about mercy one more time. I shared earlier that I have a little bit of, you know, it, the weekend is, is ending and there's a little bit of an apprehension to go back because for me, uh, work has kicked my tail two weeks in a row. And uh, a lot of you guys get there it just is whooping your honey, your work, your school. Let me tell you what Lamentations 3 says, verse 22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Watch this. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. It's so good. It's so good, family. When we we went to we went on vacation a few years ago, we were just reminiscing about this, looking at pictures of the kids. They were so tiny, and uh, we went to these white sand beaches in in Navarre, Florida, and it was awesome, fam, because Jonah was like two years old, and we lost him within five minutes of setting up. It was amazing. We're the greatest parents on earth literally lost this kid on a flat beach. Where did he go? He was chasing a pigeon, okay? We couldn't see him. He was hiding in a shadow. It was amazing. But I went, and every, every morning I went and sat on that beach, and I listened to the waves coming in, and, and I watched the sunrise. And there's something special about sunrises. People love to look at sunrises. They're beautiful. They have meaning. But let me just, let me reference this that every morning 
mercy rises anew for you, for God, from God. There's not a, there's not a day that we wake up that God looks at us and says, you're probably going to mess up today, and I'm through with you. I'm taking a break because you have been on my nerves. God doesn't look at us and say that. Come on. God's not looking at us and saying, I'm done with you. I'm sick of you. I'm tired of you. Even though we get in places, we get in seasons where we keep messing up, where it seems like we just keep running to things. Y'all, one of the, one of the things that I see people do, and I've been guilty of myself, is we run to things, and we, we find our comfort in other things, in things other than, uh, than God. We find our comfort in other things. Maybe it's, maybe it's releasing that you're angry and you just get mad. Instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm frustrated. Help me process this in a way that honors you. Just letting it out, screaming and hollering. Maybe it's using something and someone, they can't deal with the stress of life. And so instead of, uh, instead of going to God and saying, God, I need that mercy that's afresh every morning, they use something so they can feel better. And that's the reason. Family, I'm going to be honest with you again and, and open. I used to get really frustrated with people that, that suffer with addiction. And I'll say, well, just stop. That was one of the most ignorant things that I, that I could have said. That was one of the most ignorant attitudes that I could have had. Because those people need mercy. And for some reason, they're seeking mercy in a merciless place. That's what sin is, guys. We run to try to find mercy from something we're suffering with. And instead of running into the arms of Christ that are wide open, accepting of us regardless of our state of affairs we run towards things that can hurt us his mercy rises every morning just like that sun and it's a beautiful thing it doesn't matter where you've been what you've done some of you have friends and family members that need a lot of mercy right now because they're facing things don't you think for a second that God's done? Don't you think for one second that he doesn't have mercy for them, that he doesn't love them? Maybe they're out of his plan right now. Maybe they're out of his will right now because they're doing things, they're seeking things that they shouldn't be. But don't you ever think that God's given up and that his mercy doesn't endure even when we give up? That mercy begins new every morning, family. I want you to remember that. Stand with me. Let's pray.